Palace Perspective is brought to you by Palace Capital Advisors, a comprehensive wealth management firm with locations in the Northeast, specializing in financial and estate planning solutions, investment management strategies, and family office services for high net worth families across the country. Welcome to another edition of Palace Capital Advisors webcast series. I'm Rich Mullen, one of the managing partners here at Palace. I'm joined today by Mark Bogar, our chief investment officer and Steve Kylander, our senior portfolio manager. As we record this webcast here in early May, both the stock market and the bond market have retreated from their higher levels here today on the backs of a more aggressive Federal Reserve. We also are dealing with the backdrop of the Russian invasion of Ukraine and high inflation. So today we're going to discuss these topics and more. These are all top of mind for our clients. So let's just get started. Mark and Steve, let's begin with the Federal Reserve. What does it mean for the markets when the Fed moves from a quantitative easing, low interest rate environment to quantitative tightening and higher rates? Mark, let me kick that over to you. Yeah, when we entered the coronavirus, the beginning stage of the coronavirus, the Fed eased, which meant they lowered interest rates. They started their quantitative easing, which meant they were buying bonds in the market. Typically, when you buy bonds, interest rates fall as well. So both of those helped ease conditions for consumers and the market to enable uh, more financial flow and lower interest rates. But now we're on the back of that where things, uh, the economy has improved quite a bit. Inflation is running very high. So now the Fed's going to reverse those policies and start to raise interest rates and also start the quantitative tightening. So stop buying bonds and let bonds mature off and let the balance sheet fall. And what that means is conditions tighten, which typically then that slows the economy down, helps to act as brakes on the economy. And it's very tricky for the Fed. It's a very blunt instrument. And the question the market seems to have is, well, is that just going to be a slowdown, soft landing? Are we going to have a hard recession? Those are some of the type of the questions that the, the market's asking uh, mm-hmm. today. And, and we can measure how much the Fed is is tightening via the forward curve and what interest rates are looking, what the market expects for interest rates. I know Steve's looked uh, for what the Fed's expecting. So do you have uh, stats on that, Steve, on what, what the market's saying these days? Sure. So as uh, Mark mentioned, we came off of a you know position for an extended period of time where we were at 0% to address COVID. The Fed made its first raise in March, so we're now running at about a half a percent in terms of the federal funds rate. But that's really just the beginning. There's anticipated to be raises for each month here as we go forward in the year. In fact, tomorrow there's an expected increase of another 50 basis points, followed by 50 basis points in June and then likely in July as well. So we're going to move the Fed funds rate all the way from where we are currently at a half a percent, probably to 3% by the end of the year, which is where the expectations are. To put that into historical context, that'll be the highest the Fed funds rates have been at since prior to the financial crisis in 2008. So it's significantly higher than what we've seen in over a decade. But from a long-term perspective, the Fed funds rates have varied everywhere from 0% where we were all as high as uh, 20%. So from a context, historically, it's still relatively low. So with the Fed, while it's less accommodative, it's not, it shouldn't be seen as something that's completely outside of you know the norm or experience that we've had over time. Yeah. So Steve, um, just to dovetail on that a little bit, talk a little bit about the fact that once the Fed raises rates, there's a delayed impact, right? It doesn't happen like overnight, have the net effect of slowing the economy down or curbing inflation. It takes a little bit of time, right? So this expectation of all these forward hikes that are coming, you know, it really is kind of data dependent as the the term the Fed uses, right? That these these, uh, rates may have a little bit of a delayed impact on the economy. 
Yeah, I mean, right now we're still in very much a strong economy. Corporate purchasing came out today, and March was still seeing very strong growth. Employment numbers are still very low. So we're coming off of a, a period of strength into into raising raising these rates. What we the effect we are seeing though, we're we're seeing shorter term ends of treasuries move up. So the two year treasury has moved up to two eight, two nine. The ten year treasury though, which when we think about the longer term perspective, it's it's staying at just under three percent right now, which is probably more in line with where the expectation is for long term inflation and growth rates. So we are taking a little bit of the get, stepping off the gas pedal right now for the near term. But long term, this isn't necessarily really going to change the long term trajectory of the of the U.S. economy. You wrote, I think, this week in your weekly, made a comment about the fact that we had a negative GDP. So obviously, that's not as a result of uh, Fed rate hikes because they hadn't really started rating, raising rates but once. What were your thoughts on that negative print? I mean, a lot of people would say, two consecutive negative prints, and you know, that's definitionally a recession. There's a lot of noise in the numbers, just because we are coming off of such an exceptional period with, with COVID. So we had a rapid recovery last year, building of inventories. Uh, we go into the first quarter, and there's supply chain disruptions. So people were stocking, bringing in imports in front of, in front of actual demand. So between imports coming in, between bringing inventories down slightly after having restocked them. The high rate of inflation that we're having, that sort of pushed the real rate of GDP negative. But if you actually look at the core metrics in terms of business spending, consumer spending, uh, still very, very strong numbers from a, from a historical perspective. Not that they're not going to be expected to slow, but it's, it's, it's nothing that should be particularly alarming right now. Yeah. So really all this is about inflation, the the contraction of the balance sheet and the raising of rates and so on. So inflation's running rampant. We know that. In addition to the Federal Reserve actions, what other impacts, Mark, can inflation have now and does how does Palace kind of hedge against that? Yeah, even um just one other thing to add to the Fed discussion before we go to other impacts is uh the Fed through these quantitative tightening really affects demand. That's who that's how they slow things down, is that through higher rates that can slow down aggregate demand. The inflation problem generally has been a supply chain problem or driven. So be it from the original coronavirus, everyone going out and buying goods, to then leading to the Russia-Ukraine invasion, which also then disrupted supply again in the commodities, be it food commodities or oil. So it's going to be tricky as we, or as the economy, as the Fed fights this, how how aggressive to be, because you're going to, there you have to fight demand when it's really a supply chain problem. So we're going to track throughout the year. There are some early signs that maybe some, uh, inflation is coming off in some areas, but certainly the broader inflation is still there. So that's going to be tricky as we watch. An issue in, with inflation kind of broadly is your purchasing fades away, that everyone sees it most directly in uh, food costs going up, rent costs going up. So if inflation stays high, consumers start to lose that purchasing power. And that's the ultimate issue of what the Fed is trying to fight, that if inflation becomes persistent, and people expect a continuing, continuing higher inflation, it's going to be detrimental to uh, people's pocketbooks. And so that's why we're trying to, or why the Fed is trying to fight it so hard. But again, it gets tricky rather relative to the demand problem versus the supply problem. So we address that in multiple ways in the portfolios. Uh, so one is through ownership of real estate. So we own real estate, uh, private real estate vehicles for clients, because generally landlords can raise prices. So if landlords can raise prices, the income goes up. And also the value of real estate tends to go up inflationary environments. I think everyone's seen that personally, and, and real estate prices around the country have risen. So you see that in real estate. We have that for clients. Uh, we have variable rate bond, uh, both on the private car, private side and public side. 
So as interest rates rise automatically, those interest payments go up, which directly benefits clients. We also own treasury inflation protected securities. So that also is direct. The higher the inflation, the higher coupons you get on those treasury inflation protected securities. And finally, uh, public equities also serve as a inflation hedge. As we've seen through this coronavirus and the high inflation, generally companies have been able to price um, high enough to maintain margins. Now that can't last forever. It doesn't apply to every company, but generally earnings have been going up, margins have been strong, and so companies can actually price some of that away. So we've got many inflation hedges through the portfolio, and probably the toughest thing to be in is cash because that is, does not keep up with inflation. So we have uh, ways that we fight it, though, in the portfolio. Yeah, that's great. And I think we talked about this early on in some of our, our podcasts and, and webinars about the distortions, and, and you alluded to some of the noise that's in the GDP number. And when you think about what ultimately has kind of caused or or certainly driven the the pace of inflation and the magnitude of inflation. It was something that went on here during the COVID period of time in terms of stimulus that's never really been done before, which is they actually printed all that cash and just put it out into the economy. Typical spending measures are accompanied by a tax increase or what have you. So you had a distortion that was created by just infl- flooding the, the economy with all those dollars and all that liquidity. And then at the same time, shutting it down. So, you know, I think what I heard a comment made by, I think maybe it was Paul Tudor Jones or whatever, is the genie's out of the bottle here, so to speak, on inflation. It's going to be very tough for the Fed to kind of navigate this time and, and see if they can't, you know, produce the soft landing that everybody's talking about. But more to come on that. And let's talk about equity market and pivot here a little bit. How are they, how do they compare and contrast to the events of past recessions and valuations and fears that are high right now around the market are probably the topic uh, that everybody, that's on everybody's mind. You want to start off with that? Sure. Sure. I think if we get back to, I mean, equity markets are driven by two components. One, it's by, by earnings. And as we mentioned, earnings are slowing from where they were last year, but they're still we're still seeing estimates rising for you know the full year for 2022. And yes, there's a lot of question right now about whether we're going to be pushed into a recession at some point in 2023, which is possible, but it's not the base case right now. But I think what the equity markets have very much been responding to so far a year to date has been the other knock on on rising rates is uh, pressure on valuation. If we think about the impact there as as rates go up, the hurdle rate that you want on an investment rises as well. So as that hurdle rate goes up, the valuation needs to needs to come down to to compensate for that. And we're seeing that very much in particularly long duration assets. So from a fixed income or bond standpoint, we've seen that the longer the duration, the, the greater the impact has been on the pricing. But we also see that in the equity market. If you have a business where the value or the cash flow of that business is expected to be well out into the future to to get the benefit, those companies have seen the greatest pressure and the multiples come down the most. And that's a that's a natural adjustment. But so far, I think that's really what's been been driving the equity markets has been very much this value reset based on higher rates. The concern is the next leg would be if we were to have a recession and then the third leg would be credit and other issues that would come out of a recession. But so far, it's a it's a correction on valuation and not necessarily a, a, a bear market recession type of scenario in, that we're seeing in the equity markets. Some of the classic signs I think we've talked about before, the the spreads usually in high yield and some of the more risky elements of the market tend to widen during periods of times like this. And 
while they've kind of maybe headed in that direction, they certainly haven't given any sort of an indication that something's about to happen or we're about to jump off a precipice from an economic outlook. So that's kind of interesting to keep an eye on some of those fixed income indicators. Yeah, no, absolutely. Definitely want to keep an eye on fixed income. And as Steve said, current earnings are pretty strong and we've seen some pockets of weakness, possibly companies with uh, large labor contingents. So we've seen some retailers have trouble with the labor costs, maybe some hospitals with some labor cost issues, potentially supply chain problems out there. But in aggregate, as Steve said, earnings continue to grow. We still seem to be a strong place. And generally, the U.S. economy is driven by the consumer, and the consumer is still strong. Unemployment is very So as we sit here today, it seems like the earnings are poised to stay strong, and we haven't seen the indicators in the high-yield market, as you said, Rich. And so uh, we feel pretty constructive on the long-term view of, of equity markets. Yeah, it's really easy to get pessimistic nowadays, right? I mean, you have another talk of another COVID resurgence, the war in Ukraine, which I want to pivot to now. But I mean, just the barrage, really, of economic news and geopolitical news and everything. So I think it's important to kind of uh, take a step back and and look at the fundamentals, as you guys have pointed out, be it in earnings or, or the job market, for instance. And there's a lot of positivity out there that usually doesn't accompany a recessionary type environment. Yeah. So those are the types of things we really want to look at. Let's just talk about the Russia-Ukraine Ukraine war and the impact on GDP, commodities, and supply chain, because that seems to be continually uh, disrupting what, you know, every once in a while appears to be returning the corner in the supply yeah. chain. Mark, why don't we uh, throw that over to you? Yeah, so the biggest thing is that supply chain that the Fed thesis all along, that it was temporary, it being supply chain disruptions are temporary, they will solve themselves and we'll get back to normal. Again, again and again and again, primarily due to COVID, supply chains did not get fixed. Now we throw the Russia-Ukraine crisis on top. We probably have not seen the full, we've seen near-term oil prices, say, rise, near-term food prices rise, but the full impact of that will still probably be felt over the next three to six months. We're going to see that come through going forward, so that's a concern. We mentioned U.S. consumers should be strong given the state of the economy here, but clearly what's going on in Europe is going to impact European GDP quite materially. So Europe's going to be slower, say, than the U.S. We've seen the COVID resurgence, especially in China, cities like Shanghai. So China has been slowing down because of, due to the shutdowns there. So we've seen some global weakness in GDP or that could continue to come forward. So we have to keep an eye. But in the long run, uh, we've talked about this before in prior podcasts, generally this becomes more of an opportunity to buy risk assets because whether we're talking about the recession, we're talking about Russia, Ukraine, a very fact of people talking about it, that's getting into expectations, it's getting into purchase managers, maybe inventories don't build as high because people are worried about a recession. It's counterintuitive, but by everyone talking about these issues, that can help that get into expectations and current prices. And also it can affect actions that we don't build up supply and don't build up inventory. And maybe things will be okay. That's more the glass half full view, but then the glass you know, half empty view is that, well, we still will hit a wall as we go through. And that's what the market's struggling with today. I've heard some uh, talk about the fact that China is basically in full lockdown, has actually dampened some of the demand and kind of in a backhanded, maybe ironic way, helped inflation, certainly on the energy, right? So China's not typically uh, using as much energy right now as they have historically. So that has a a, a beneficial effect, I would think, uh, to some extent on some of the inflationary pressures. See how long that goes on there. Obviously, we want China demand to come online in other areas as well. So that's uh, that's part of it. Do you want to add anything there, Steve? Before no, I think just further than that, in terms of as a trade partner, the, the impact of Russia and Ukraine, it's unfortunate, but it's actually relatively mild, probably just a one-time, one-step function of which most companies have already written their business there down to zero. I think the greater concern that sort of 
arisen since the, the war to, you know broke out is is China. Yeah. And I mean the opportunity. I mean again, it's shutdowns are taking place. That is clearly slowing growth. The other side of that is when the reopening occurs, things will reaccelerate. So it's it is a glass half you know half empty, half full type of scenario. And it's not full right now. So if that comes back, that probably should be an important catalyst for general global economic growth again. Yeah, that's great. Well, let's just kind of wrap up here and talk about the actions uh, that Palace has taken to address these volatile markets. So, Mark, why don't you kick us off on that? Yeah, so we've taken a lot of actions over the last six months or so to benefit client portfolios given this environment. So one of the first things we did last fall is we trimmed equities after the multi-year run of post-COVID on equities. Equities were generally overweight in model portfolios. So we trimmed that back, added private real estate. So add that income, add that lower volatility, add that inflation protection. So that's worked out uh, quite well for clients. We've also had a private credit actually 12 to 18 months ago, but that's really shown through here in these environment in that it is relatively shorter maturity. So therefore it has invariable rate. So therefore, as rates have gone up, it has not been impacted, say like a 30-year bond has been impacted. So we're earning that higher yield for clients without the impact on principal like we've seen in 30-year bonds. This year, what have we done? So this year in Q1, when we had the first drawdown at the end of February, we actually added to high-quality companies. So quality has sold off this year. That's typically a factor in the market. Performs well over the near and long term in growth stocks, value stocks. Quality performs very well. That's not the case this year. So that factor has sold off. We think that uh, brings opportunities. So we added to high-quality technology in February with strong cash flows. So again, not speculative growth tech, but quality tech with cash flows. We added to those type of names. And then uh, finally, we're doing uh, tax loss harvesting for clients. So that's through our uh, great technology platform here at Palace. We're able to, for every client, identify which tax lots are at a loss, sell those, realize the loss, put in a substitute security so we're not out of the market. In 30 days from now, the technology lets us know when we can reverse that trade and go back into the, the long-term name. So that's another thing that we're doing. So we're doing very multiple things for clients to benefit portfolios. That's great. Yeah. Steve, you have anything to add on that? Or? No, I would, yeah, I would just sort of say the important element is we're not panicking. Right. This is a time where you're seeing the market getting concerned about change in valuations, change about growth profiles, and moving extremely defense. And from an interesting perspective, defensive stocks now with very little growth are trading at higher multiples than growth stocks. So if you take a long-term view, which we'd like to do, this is a great opportunity to layer into franchises that for which you have a long-term investment thesis that that at some point these issues that we have will pass and those companies will reestablish themselves as the leaders in the market. I couldn't agree more. It's interesting. Uh, every three to four years, it seems like, and sometimes free, more frequently, we run into these periods of destabilization. And obviously the most recent was COVID. And I think at the, the onset of that, when I think about that contextually compared to some of these other downturns in the market, be it this one or the financial crisis prior to COVID, I mean, COVID really presented itself initially on the front end of this thing as an existential risk, right? And we didn't know it was half the world population going to be dead or, or what have you, right? I look at this period of time really as, if it's, if it's possible, a little bit more of a garden variety potential slowdown or recession, if you will. I mean, it may be um, understating the magnitude of the problems, but you know, at this point in time, we've seen these types of cycles and this retrenchment obviously presents more opportunity to your point than it does risk, I think, in, in many instances. Well, let's kind of wrap that up. In summary, the Fed's poisoned to tighten monetary policy over the course of 2022 and 2023 in response to this persistently high inflation we've been talking about. 
And the Russian invasion of Ukraine drags on, affecting many of the commodity markets around the world. So currently, though, the backdrop here with the U.S. economy is uh, supported by strong employment data, as we talked about, and seems to be on solid footing for the time being here. So just kind of going forward, Palace Capital will continue to focus on quality, long-run investments, including private markets, to help our clients achieve our goals. So, Mark, thank you very much, Steve. Thank you for your thoughts. And thank you for taking the time to watch and keep an eye out for our next podcast and webcast. Have a great day. And listener, as always, if you would like to discuss your personal financial planning, reach out to us through our website, palacecapitaladvisors.com. That's P-A-L-L-A-S capitaladvisors.com. To all of our listeners, we wish you the very best. Look forward to connecting you with you next time on the Palace Perspectives podcast. Palace Capital Advisors, LLC, and its representatives do not provide legal or tax advice. You should consult the legal or tax advisor regarding any legal or tax information as it relates to your personal circumstances. These materials are provided for general information and educational purposes based on publicly available information from sources believed to be reliable. We cannot assure the accuracy or completeness of these materials. The information in these materials may change at any time and without notice. The information contained herein is for informational purposes only, is not personalized investment, investment advice, and should not be construed as a recommendation to purchase or sell any particular security, sector, or strategy to any individual person or entity. Investment advice offered through Palace Capital Advisors, LLC, a registered investment advisor.